Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message. Amen. It's definitely uh, good to see your faces today. I appreciate the uh, enthusiasm. Uh, I, I know it is uh, a little smaller in number, but praise God, we still are in the house of the Lord. You know, I'd, I'd rather be here than the best hospital in town. So, <laughs> so we're going to give God glory for that. Uh, if you could, please turn with me uh, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. Amen. Just a minute or two. I still hear pages turning, so I'll give you just a minute or two. Uh, it is nice. I hear Apostle talks a lot about hearing the, the pages uh, turn. It is nice, yeah. It's real nice. Real nice. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. I will be reading from the, the New Living Translation. The Bible says, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do, they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run the, with purpose in every step, I'm not just shadow boxing. He's referring to, to fighting uh, aimlessly or uh, just without purpose here. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what I should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Amen. Uh, I want to preach this morning uh, on the subject of staying on track with God. Staying on track with God. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for just another day, God, with you, another day in your house, God, in your presence. Father, uh, as we go forth, Lord God, I just come before you, God, and I ask, Lord God, that you move my flesh out of the way, O Lord, and Father, that I, I speak what you have for me to speak, O Lord, and that I do what you have for me to do. Lord, my desire is for you to be glorified and your people to be edified on this morning, O Lord. Father, we just honor you on today, and we love you so much, O oh Lord. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Here Paul is, is refer referencing the, uh, the walk or the, the journey that we're on uh, as to comparison with athletes in their training. Uh, if you notice, athletes do so much vigorous training. They uh, eat nutritiously. They uh, work out in the gym, and this is uh, – um, during the season and in the off season, uh, it's a it's a continuous cycle, and that's the way that we have to uh, seek after God. It's it's continual. It's uh, with with prayer, with with reading, with fasting, uh, with with studying on this this race here. There's a, a old song uh, that says, uh, "Lord, I'm running, trying to make a hundred, ninety nine, and a half won't do." All right. Uh, I'm, I'm not a, 
I'm not a singer, so I'm not going to sing it for you. That's not my ministry, so I'm going to stay in my lane this morning. Stay in my lane this morning. But one of the things that I, I do like a, about this, this race or, or this journey that we're on is that uh, it's, it's non-competitive, which means it's not a, a race per se against me and you or per se your brother against your, your sister. So within that, there's freedom to, for us to rejoice when others get a breakthrough. We can be glad for others when they get their blessing. Uh, I, I took my daughter uh, to see Cinderella uh, a few months ago. And uh, while I was sitting there, God kind of showed me something in that. And what he showed me was that what God has for you, it's a glass slipper kind of blessing. It fits you. It's your size. It's what you've been praying for. It's what you wanted. It's what you needed. Something it fits you. So being that it's, it fits you as saints, as the body of believers, we don't have to be mad when you get your blessing. We don't have to be upset. We don't have to ball our toes up and try and put our foot in your blessing. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't have to do those things. You know, we don't know what that person went through. That person could have uh, lost their parents and uh, they could have uh, had to move in with an evil stepmama and deal with evil stepsisters. <laughs> you know? You, you, know, you ain't know Cinderella could preach, did you? I ain't know it either. But, but that's, that's how it works. Another reason uh, why I like this race or uh, this, this journey that, that we're on is that the Bible said that it's not given to the swift, but the ones that endure to the end. Right? As, as a man... A lot of times, growing up, it's all about being the fastest, being the strongest. You know, so in, in, in the kingdom of God, we don't have to worry about that. I took Apostle up on the uh, in, invitation to the nine rounds uh, a couple weeks ago. And those of you that don't know, the, the nine round uh, facility or organization, it, the premise is you get a, a good workout, but it's in 30 minutes. And, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not in shape like our pastors are. So my thought was that, Lord, if I can make it to the end, <laughs> without fainting, <laughs> without falling out, I can walk out of here with some dignity, with my head hung high, and say I made it. And that's how it is. We don't have to be the fastest in, in the kingdom of God. As long as we can, we can make it to the end of this thing. And there's, there's confidence, there's, there's a surety in that. There's rest. Again, we're not comparing ourselves, not trying to be the fastest on this, on this race and this journey that we're on. Uh, turn with me to Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And uh, the author of this passage uh, sums it up. I, I like the way, the way he puts it here. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. 
So he sums it up here. He, again, he's referring uh, to this race. And, and if you envision, uh, it's, it's in the shape of uh, a, a track. Uh, at a track, you have uh, the track and field stars type things. And it, it mentions a, a huge crowd of witnesses. So this isn't like uh, your grandmama that's, that's gone on and she's turning you on or, or that uncle or cousin that you only met once that's going on. This is a huge crowd of witnesses. And if, if you go back a few verses, it tells you in that huge crowd of witnesses, this is, this is prophets, this is uh, Elijah, this is David, this is Daniel. This is these guys up here cheering you on. And that is such because I, I played uh, basketball in, in arenas uh, for, for schools growing up, and I was in the marching band in, in stadiums. And it's something about that that just at, at, excites me that I'm going to perform, and it's this huge crowd. That's how they are, are viewing us on this walk, this daily walk that sometimes we struggle with, sometimes that we, we don't even know if we're going to make it sometimes from day in to day out. And they're up there, this cloud of witnesses is cheering you on. Yes, you can. You can do it. They're rooting for you. They're clapping for you. And it, it goes on to say to strip off every weight that slows us down and tries to trip us up. It says especially the sin. The sin comes in. The trip, that's, this is what happens. We're on this race, and we're running. And, and sin creeps up. We have o- other things. Sometimes our emotions, our will, things creeping up, wanting uh, to pull us off track from God, wanting to do those things. But a- as, you, as you keep going, you're running, they're cheering you on, and it says to let us run with endurance. That's you lasting to the end. That's what it's, that's what it's about. Sometimes it may get hard. It, it may, uh, 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 take, you may take bumps and bruises, but it's about enduring uh, to the end. And it even tells us how to run this race. It tells us to do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, right? To keep our eyes on Jesus. So a- as we're running this race, uh, and while you do that, turn with me to Genesis uh, chapter 13, verse 5. Hey. <laughs> amen, amen. Genesis 13 and 5. While we're on this race and, and we're running this race, there are things that want to pull us off track from God. And being off track from God doesn't necessarily mean uh, being in a backslidden state. Uh, it could mean just not uh, running the race with as diligently. Uh, you may have slacked off from reading some. You may have slacked off from studying some. Uh, you may have, have missed some Bible studies. So there, there are different ways or, or different areas that uh, being off track with God doesn't necessarily imply that you're not in relationship with God. So I want to I make sure that uh, I put that out there. Uh, to give you s- some background to this, this story, there are some things that I, I do want to pull out of here. Uh, this is the story between Abraham and Lot. Uh, a lot of times uh, when you hear Lot, it's, he's an interesting character because you think about uh, him being rescued from Sodom and Gomorrah and his, his wife being uh, turned into a pillar of salt. Um, and he actually had to be rescued twice. Uh, but over in 2 Peter, it mentions that Lot was righteous. So even though his shortcomings and his downfalls, the Bible still says that he was righteous. So I feel that we can, there's some things that we can learn from his life uh, and eat, eat off from that. The background to this, uh, if you remember, God told Abram at this time, he was Abram. He wasn't uh, Abraham when God changed his name. But he told Abram to leave 
uh, from his, his kindred. He told him to come out from amongst his family and those that he, he, were, he was around. And it's actually after that, but it's before uh, the rescue of Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah. This is actually uh, the event that uh, separated the two. And I say it pulled Lot off track because even though he was permitted to go uh, with his uncle Abram, he was permitted to go, but he got off track with the whole Sodom and Gomorrah episode, and he still was rescued and brought back in, into place with Abram. So he got off track, and there were some things that, that happened. That I, there were three things that I do want to pull out of this and talk about uh, that could show and kind of keep us. Again, there's many things that can pull us off track, but three things in this story that I, I think are, are worth talking about. So we pick up here in verse 5, and it says, Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's now allow Let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to, to the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, I'll go to the left. Lot took a, a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan, River, of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved, to his, moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. All right. So the first thing that kind of uh, jumps out here is that Abram asked Lot uh, if he wanted to separate. He didn't want a conflict to come between them. And if, if it was me, if I was Lot, the first thing that comes to my mind is Uncle Abram. Okay. Me hanging out with you, I'm blessed. My cattle has increased because I'm rolling with you. <laughs> my livestock has, has increased. My property value, my stock has went up. My pockets got fat because I'm hanging out with you. And I don't want to give that up. I wouldn't. But the first, thing that, the first thing that could pull you off track from God is people. Because if you notice, the conflict wasn't between Abram and Lot. The conflict was between the herdsmen. So, in other words, they were basically following the people instead of listening to God. All right? You have to be careful with people. Let's look at uh, Numbers, the, the book of Numbers, chapter 20, verse 6. Keep your finger at, at, at Genesis. We're going to refer back to that. That story. The book of Numbers. 
chapter 20, verse 6. And the word of God says, Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watched, speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was and kept before the Lord. Then he said, I'm sorry, then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels. Moses got mad now. He shouted, Most must we bring your water from the rock? Must we bring you water from the rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you would not lead them into the land I am giving them. This place was known as the waters of Meribah, which means arguing, because there the people of Israel argued with the Lord, and there he demonstrated his holiness amongst them. And before I, I get in this, I want to make sure that, that I'm clear. I'm not giving Moses an out. I'm not uh, taking up for him. Uh, 100% yes, Moses was disobedient unto the Lord. The Lord asked for him or instructed him to speak to the rock, but he was disobedient and struck uh, the rock instead. He asked him to speak to the rock because speaking is indicative to the word of God, which gives God the glory, which lets you know that it was him. But he took it upon himself by striking the rock. And even, and even though here he says it in, in verse 10, he says, must we bring you water from the rock? He wasn't saying that God was bringing the water. He was saying we're going to bring it to him. So he was taking the credit for him. So I, I don't want to take the blame off Moses or, or excuse it, but at the same time, I'm kind of a why person. Why did this happen? Or what caused this so that I can fix it? So looking at this, what caused Moses to be disobedient was the people arguing, was the people fussing, complaining, and the people murmuring. You know, Again, not giving them an out, but he allowed the people to pull him off track from what God assigned to him by them murmuring and complaining and then he was disobedient and in the end result it caused him to not make it into the promised land. So you always want to be careful with, with the people, the people that, that you're around, the people that you trust, the people that, that you know because, and it may not even be their heart's intention. They may not set out to pull you away from God or to, to pull you off track from God. But it may be one of those things that you could easily get caught up in and find yourself slipping and slipping off track or in line with what God has for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because I, I try and put myself into the story to kind of understand what's happening and what's going on. And, and, and I, I understand uh, <laughs> with fussing with my kids, I was hearing them complain one day I was so mad I said I said y'all whining like BB and CC before I knew it <laughs> they didn't even know who that was you know and I was all flustered and upset <laughs> and, 
you know, and just how that stuff can just pull you out of character sometimes. It's just a small example. It's funny, but it, it can show you how easily you can get pulled out of character. Amen. <laughs> All right, let's go back to Genesis here, to this story here in Genesis. All right. So the first thing to be mindful uh, or to be cautious about uh, in staying on track with God is the people. Right. Uh, the next thing that I, I, I want to uh, include with that is perception. All right. People and perception of things can pull you away from God. All right. Let's look at verse 10 in Genesis uh, chapter 13. It says that Lot took a, a long look at the fertile plains of uh, the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered, right? And it even says that it was like the garden of the Lord. So it was very beautiful out there what he was looking at, this scene that he saw that made him get off track and split off from uh, Abram. So I had to think about how many of us are sometimes pulled off track by how something or someone looks. You can get pulled off track how many decisions or choices that we make based on how something looks before even praying, before consulting the Lord, the Holy Spirit, or seeking any kind of counseling, just by the way something looks, sometimes we can make a life-changing decision, right, based upon just how it looks. Do you remember when uh, Peter was out on the boat uh, with Jesus? And he was out there, and the Bible says that when he saw the winds and the waves, that he began to sink. In other words, he started looking at his situation and his circumstances, and just like we read earlier, he took his mind off Jesus. If you run the race, you're keeping your mind on Jesus. He took his, his, his eyes off Jesus and into his situation and began to sink. So, and, and even the, the Bible also tells us to, uh, that we walk by faith, and not by sight, right? So he showed me my house, right? Something that's very, uh, very familiar with. Many of you, I'm sure, can tell every inch around your house. You know what the distance is from the couch to the bathroom. You know how many steps you have to go upstairs. You know the distance from each child's bedroom. You know, but imagine walking around your house with a blindfold on or with your eyes closed. How would, how, would, how would that change your perception? You would end up, your senses would get heightened, right? Yeah. You, you would be able to hear things and sounds that you probably could never hear before, right? You could smell things, right? You would use your, your sense of touch because you, you're trying to feel your way around. So on this walk or this race that we're on, I, I believe that God asks us, not that we walk around blind, but sometimes that, to us, for us to not use our eyes so that it slows us down. That we can leave the busyness, that we can leave the frustrations and the errands and the grocery store and, and the, the, the soccer practice. And we can take time to, to slow things down. Because again, it, it's not given to the swift. So there's no need to rush. There's, there's no advancement. There's, no, there's no, uh, no levels that you go to. Well, there's levels, but there's not a, a case. There's a, a prize. The prize is at the end. So you don't get a prize for being first to another level, that type of thing. So I think sometimes that, that God wants us to just slow down so that we can, we can hear him, all right? That we can smell him. Some, yeah. 
Sometimes that we can touch them. Amen? Amen? All right. Let's go back. Oh, we still hit Genesis 13, chapter 13, right? All right. After Lot looked out, he looked out and he saw uh, all this beautiful scene. He looked out and uh, he saw the water. He saw the, the, the countryside and those type of, of things. And when he finally moved out, walk with me a little bit. When he finally moved out and he, he chose the area, they didn't really split the area in half. To say Abraham asked them, hey, you take the east, I'll take the west. That, but when they actually moved, is to show Abraham's character, and he allowed Lot to choose first that. But when he chose, he chose the area that was the best, and he chose the area that was the biggest portion of that. When you go back, if you pull up the map and you look at it, uh, so with that, the biggest area, the numbers. Right, if you were to measure it, I'll, I'll say. I'll use the numbers. And I, I know it, it, it sounds crazy, especially uh, those of you that know that I'm a math teacher. So I know some of you guys may say, wait a minute, how is he saying that if you're not careful that numbers can pull you off, off track? If you're doing your taxes or uh, you're calculating your paycheck, yes, numbers can. But when it comes to the things of God, Sometimes numbers can throw you off. For example, when Jesus fed the 5,000, right, he used two fish and five loaves of bread, right? So you don't have to have a master's degree in mathematics education to know that five and two would bring you to seven. And like I said, I put myself in these stories. I, hindsight is twenty twenty. We can look back, but if I was one of the disciples, yeah, I would have said, wait a minute, Jesus, we got 5,000 people out here, <laughs> plus I'm hungry. I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna be real. Uh, we got two fish and five loaves. So when it comes to the things of, of God, sometimes numbers can be misleading. They can they can almost put you in the box, so to speak. Right? You don't have to have to turn to it, but uh, over there in Second uh, Samuel, uh, chapter twenty-four, verse two. Uh, it talks about David, right? This was one of, one of David's mistakes that he did, right? And he took a census of the people of Israel. During that time, uh, you were only supposed to take a, a census of, of the people in times of war because uh, you would have to know if there were any cases of draft or anything like that. But he took this census in a time of peace where it wasn't a need to take this census. And so when he numbered, when he numbered the people uh, in the city, he became filled with pride. In other words, he saw all the people and he, he thought, well, in other words, he put his protection in the amount of number of people that he had instead of trusting in God's ability to protect them. So that's where, that's where the pride came in at uh, from the numbers, right? Then I had to, to kind of think about it uh, for me. Or on my, my, my scale. Because when he felt with pride, when he saw the number, right, it would be the same thing if you saw a number and felt less than yourself. In other words, if you saw a number and it changed your perception of yourself, then what God 
already said. Not like not necessarily, I won't say a sin that'll cast you into hell, but it's pulling you off track with God. Because your it's your thinking is out of line from what he says about you. Right? Uh case in point, there's been times where I've seen the numbers in my bank account. <laughs> and and begin to feel like, what happened? What's what's wrong with me? And so my focus is on that number. And not what God can do in my life. You know? God began to, to show me this uh, well, a couple years ago. But to give you the background of this, uh, I was in college. Oh, my goodness. I was broke. When I say <laughs> broke, I would, I would tell people I was broke as a joke and a cigarette that's already been smoked. That's how I'm not talking about those long, pretty Virginia Slim cigarettes. I'm talking about the one that's done smoked and they done did like this. That, that's just how I broke out was, right? So I got this job, and I had to find a way to get to work. So I had this idea I could lease this car, right? Because I, I, I'm not mechanically inclined. I can't get this old clunker and fix it. Now. So no, I've got to get something dependable. So I found this, this car that I could lease. It was a nice car. It was a Toyota to sell, sunroof, nice car, right? Y'all, so at the end of those three years, when they pulled the report on me, I had only made 11 payments out of 36 on time. <laughs> That's just how bad it was. It was so bad. There were times I remember going into the store <laughs> coming out and forgetting where I parked at and thinking that the repo man got me. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was bad. This was a bad time in my life. Lord have mercy. This was a bad time. <laughs> so to speed it up a little bit, a few years ago, me and my wife, we were in the process of getting a house, right? And in, the, in that process, uh, unfortunately, I was, I was laid off. And one of the days when I was around the house having my pity party, uh, feeling low, as I, as I said, I was feeling... You know, I hadn't made the kind of money I had made, again, looking at the numbers, uh, sizing myself up as a man. And God just spoke to me, and he said, you got some pride in you. I don't know if he speaks to you like that, but he just, he just put it out. And then, <laughs> myself, it's funny that when, you, when God tells you something, you come back as if he's wrong. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> Again, that's me. So my rebuttal was, <laughs> Okay, God, where could I get pride from? You know me. I went all the way back to middle school. I said, God, you know, I worked in tobacco fields. I've had tobacco juice. I don't know. Has anybody ever had tobacco juice in your eye? Come on. It feels like your eyeball is going to jump out of your socket. They need, to, they need to use that stuff to make chemical warfare. I'm not playing. That's, that stuff will eat you up. So I'm talking to God about this, right? I'm saying, how, how could I get pride? He said, yes, you've done that. But fast forward a little bit, and he showed me when they pulled that report on me and showed the people circling laughing at me. He showed me going to the bank trying to get help, and the banker ridiculed me and belittled me. He showed me walking outside of the same bank in that park parking lot 
and showed me, say, to myself, I'll never allow somebody to talk to me like that again. He showed me to continue to work, to change my credit and my situation. He showed things begin to change. He showed me uh, when we actually went in to apply the house, they pulled the credit score and, oh, Mr. Yelverton, you are approved for this. Is, and he showed how my chest just puffed out. And so he said, you know what? I couldn't allow you to move in the house like that. I had to put you in a uh, circumstance to where you had the money, you had the credit, but you still needed me to move on your behalf for me to get what you wanted. And I had to just fall down and repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Here I was allowed a three-digit number that man says is important. <laughs> First of all, because I've been there, I know how it is, how it feels to get turned down for jobs because of it, to get turned down for things. A digit that man says is important, I allowed that to take over me and to, for me to puff my chest out like I was Superman. I had to fall to my knees and say, Lord, it is you. All that I am, all that I'm to become, all that I have is because of you. I had to do a 180 quickly and go the other way. And I just want to encourage somebody today, because you're looking at somebody that God approved a house for at a time when I didn't even have a job. So I'm going to tell you something about that three-digit credit score. God is better than any beacon score. He's bigger than Equifax. He's bigger than freecredit.com, all, all that, free credit report. He's bigger than all that. So don't allow any numbers or any circumstances to feed your, your, your mind, to feed your thinking, to think that, that God can't move on your behalf or that you can't be something or that you, you are nothing because of what man or what the, some number they have replaced upon your life. I just know, I know how it is, the pain. It feels like society puts you in a box like you're infected because you've hit a rough patch. And I refuse to believe the lie of the devil to think that you can't come up out of it, to think that they can hold you back. I just refuse that, and I had to change my mind. I had to change my thinking and realign it up with God and say that when God said that you are the head and not the tail, that you are, it doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what they label you. And when he made you above and not beneath, and I had to align my thinking up, even though I was on the other side of it, but he just took me through that journey and showed me both sides of, of how that, that number can affect you. So the three things, again, there's many more, but three things that I just, that we just want to pull out of this story here to keep mindful of is the people perception, and numbers, right, to stay on, on track with God when we're running this race, right? And this race, is, it's not easy. It's not. But I just want to encourage somebody today that while you're running on, the, on this, this journey, that to keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the one that's going to keep you from not sinking. Philippians 3 and 14 says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. Right? So we can just press through. 
press through everything in our life, press through everything that comes against us, that wants to pull us off track, press through those things to receive that, that heavenly prize that awaits us, that God has promised us. I don't know if, if you find yourself in uh, just any of, those, any of those three situations that maybe, maybe you found yourself uh, just falling, falling, not falling away, as a, maybe even a backslid, backslidden state, but maybe not just backslidden, but just maybe falling off track with maybe your heart, maybe your passion for serving may, may not be the same. Maybe you fell off track from, from not spending as much time with God as you want. I'm not exempt from this either. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number 3.org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.